and a lot of announcements, a lot of uh, things from our missionaries, but I love hearing from them, love to hear what God is doing in and through their lives. And so tonight we're in Ecclesiastes chapter number 6, Ecclesiastes chapter number 6, and the Bible says in verse number 10, the Bible says, that which hath been is named already, and it is known that it is man. Neither may he contend with him that is mightier than he, seeing there be many things that increase vanity. What is man the better? For who knoweth what is good for man in this life, all the days of his vain life which he spendeth as a shadow? For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? There's a lot of great wisdom in this book of Ecclesiastes. We've been going through this series called Making Courageous Decisions. And tonight I want to just share with you in the time we have another one of those courageous decisions that I think all of us need to make, and it is this matter of removing some blocks from your life. Now you say, blocks from my life. Well, hopefully you'll understand it as we get into it a little bit. But, you know, I think about many times in our lives, a lot of us have too many things going on. Anybody feel like you have too much going on in your life? I, th I think I'm in company tonight. And, you know, a lot of times it's not good to have too many things going on. And when we have too many things going on in our lives, here's what we do. We make bad decisions. Do we not? Uh, it, it, watch this. A lot of times, here's what I see. I'm, and, and again, God just put this on my heart. It's a, it's a biblical example. I could have chose anything. I have nothing behind this statement. But here's what I find is when, when a lot of things are going on, a lot of bills are coming in, and you've got a lot of things that you've got to pay, I always find that the first thing that people, that Christians always step back away from is tithing. They always rob from God thinking that God's going to bless their life. Now, that's just an example. Don't get mad at me. I know when you start talking about money, people get upset. But, but here's the thing is, is that we tend to make some bad decisions. You ever made a bad decision in your life? Right? Okay, let me show you a couple bad decisions. Brother Cordy, help me. Look, look at this first one. I'd say this is probably a bad decision. You know, that's what you call having a tiger by the tail, right? I, I don't know how this ended, but I guarantee you it wasn't good, all right? How about the next one? This is probably not a good decision. Two people laying on the road, and they're going to try to drive this car through the middle of them. Not a good... I think this was taken in Pembroke Pines on the roads right here, all right? How about the next one? This is another bad decision. I mean, look at his bottom hand. It's not on the jaw. It's, it's just hanging below the jaw. That's not a good decision. Look at the next one. Now, that probably was right here in Hollywood or Pembroke Pines or something, but, you know, that's not real smart there. And then how about this last one? Brother Kenny told me, he said, Pastor, don't ever ask me to do that. <laughs> you know, when I look at that, I'm thinking, okay, you know, that, yeah, that's a bad decision, but I'm wondering if it was more of a bad decision on the part of the guy on the floor or the guy that's using the saw. I don't know. But, you know, we make a lot of bad decisions, and when I think about our lives, one thing that I see is that a good decision is when we realize that we can only do so much. Have you come to that point in your life yet? I mean, a lot of times we don't want to admit that. 
I can only do so much. And so I want to illustrate tonight, and uh, I'm not going to do any magic tricks or anything like that, but, but I wanted to illustrate tonight, if I could, that this box represents your life, all right? And uh, let's just say it's my life tonight. This box is my life. And of course, you know, you think about your life, you think about all the things that we're busy with, all right? And I think, I think about my life, these, these blocks will represent things that are in my life, okay? So when I think about this, now understand this box is only so big, right? Only so much will fit into this box. So when I think about it, well, I think about if I'm going to do the right thing tonight, the first thing in my life is the Lord, right? I'm a Christian. Then I think about how that God years ago gave me a wonderful wife. And so uh, she, she's one of those. Now, I did, if I had a bigger block, I, that would be my wife, all right? But, but I, I've got a wife. Then God gave me not one children, not two, not three, but God gave me four children. So I have four children. Then God blessed me. God gave me how many grandchildren? Five and one on the way. One, two, three, four. Five, and I'll throw one in there for my, my grandson that's on the way, all right? And i got a grandson coming. Now, uh, I think about that. Now, there, there's other things. God's given me the opportunity to be a pastor, okay? And I love being a pastor. I, lo- I love the people in our church. I could put a block in for each one of you. You understand that, right? And I could easily put a block in for each one of you. And then I think about, you know, how God's given me, he's given me a father and a mother. He's given me uh, sisters. He's given me uh, opportunity to preach the gospel. I mean, on and on and on, I could go to where I have all these things. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I am a father. I am a husband. Uh, I'm a grand, you know, I mean, all of these things. And before long, if you notice, my life is full. But as you live your life, what happens? Other opportunities come. Other things come along. And watch this. Here's what we don't do. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah, I have an opportunity to do this. So I'll tell you what I'll do. My life is full. So here's what I'll do. I'll take, I'll take, no, uh, yeah, no, I'll take, well, I need that. Um, let's see. Okay. And, and so we don't do that. Here's what we do is we leave all this in our life. And then what we do is we try to put all this other stuff in our lives. And before long, our life is too full. That's the way most of us live our lives. And you can't, you can't, yeah, <laughs> listen, most people's lives are not neat, all right? I've, been to mo- I've talked to most people and how they live their lives. Now, that's a simple illustration, but how many of us, if we were honest, would say, that's my life? You know, I've got way too much going on, all right? Now, I want you to think about that because that's what Solomon is talking about here. That's what God is sharing to us is that you and I need to understand that our life, watch this, is a finite box. God's infinite, right? God knows everything. We don't. There's only so much that we can put into our lives. And here's what many of us have not learned to do. We have not learned to say no to some things and yes to other things. It's hard sometimes. You know, you want my wife, my wife, if you haven't figured this out by now, my wife is a people pleaser. Some of you are like that. And by the way, that's not a bad thing. 
I mean, everybody likes to be liked. But you know what the problem with a people pleaser is? Is that they won't say no to anybody. They won't say no to anything. And before long, they've got way too much. And so people start missing church. You know why? Because they've got to take care of this. They've got to do this. They've, they've got a couple different jobs because they're trying to support their family. I mean, folks, it goes on and on and on. But listen, God has given us the responsibility to place the right blocks into our box. Or let me say it this way, the right things in your life and in my life. Now, guess what? That's my box. It's your box. It's your decision. You know, we, we were at the, the police department last night. No, we weren't getting arrested. Uh, we're, we, brother, brother Chris and I are doing a Citizens Police Academy. And uh, I'm just trying to get to know some of our local law enforcement. And uh, had a good time. We learned a lot of things. And, and uh, the, the, the sergeant was talking about a lot of stuff going on. And uh, I didn't say anything out loud. He was talking about all the sleep that he's lost. He was talking about how the shift that he worked all these years, how he, he just has not been a good father to his kids because he was always gone. And I wanted to say so bad, you signed up for it. You're the one that wants to be in that position. And somewhere along the way, listen, in my life, I've had to learn over the years that I've got to say no to some things I stepped away from the pastorate. I was pastoring and stepped away from the pastorate because I felt like my family needed me more than I needed to be a pastor because I am a father and a husband before I'm in the ministry. So I can, look, I can find another pastorate. I can't find another wife and children. You with me tonight? Now, listen, I'm, I know I'm, it's, I'm using myself as the example but all of us need to understand that God has given us the responsibility of putting the right blocks into our box or into our life. He's designed uh, every one of us for His purpose. What is God's purpose for your life? And God's given each one of us opportunities. But here's what He does. God promises us wisdom to make wise choices, and He promised to guide us. But here's the kicker is, you and I are the ones that have to choose what to put into our box. I hope you're listening tonight. I, the reason God put this on my heart is because it helped me, but I want to help some of you. Because what happened is, is that sometimes people think, take things that are so very important out of their box and put things into their box that really ought not be there. Okay, And again, you can only put so much in your life at one time. You think about how God is trying to help us. God wants to help us to fill our box. He wants us to understand, as Solomon is writing here, this matter of what is under the sun. He's talking about life, folks, and the futility of life. You know, the emptiness, the all is vain is what he's talking about. And so when we think about this, as we are living our lives, what this should do is it should drive us to the Lord. You think about when things like this happen in my life. Look, folks, there's, there's two ways you can go when your life gets this full. Okay, And I hope, I hope you're thinking about it already. One is, one is towards the Lord. Lord, help me. And the other one is away from God and trying to meet everything that we want to have in our box. You with me? 
So we, we have a choice to make, and God wants to help us. Listen, every page of the Bible points to the truth that Jesus is the only answer. And we tell people this all the time. That's what our theme is this year. We're anchored by hope. What is that hope? It's Jesus. He's the answer to everything in life. And what Solomon is sharing here is that many live their lives. Here's what they do. They live under the sun. In other words, they live their life for that which is temporary. The temporal, the Bible talks about. And so that what do they want to do? They want to make a good living. Folks, this world's not our home. Now, certainly, I think providing for your family, things like that, are things that God's given to us. But I'm not interested in what I can accumulate on this earth. I'm interested, listen, not in living under the sun. I'm interested in living above the sun. Where, where we see the word of God describing uh, this matter of enjoying God's eternal life. In other words, we're talking about something that is eternal. And look what it says in 2 Corinthians 4. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. Anybody tired tonight? There you go, your outward man, all right? He says, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction. You ever thought about all that's going on in your life in that way? But that's the way the Bible describes it. It says, it's but for a moment. It's light affliction. It worketh in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, which we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So here's, in this chapter tonight, Solomon wants us to look at our box, our life, and think about the things that we have in our lives. Is our box full? And listen, if it is, are the things that are in our box or in our life, are they things that God put in our life that are for our good? Are they things that we put in our lives that are hindering the things that God really wants in our lives? So here's what he does. He gives us a couple different profiles that he wants us to look at. And if you're like me, you're probably going to look at these three profiles. You may have to take them home with you and really sit down and think about it because a lot of times we don't have that kind of time here at church. But you might find that you probably are going to line up with one of these three profiles. Now, you don't have to tell me which one. But what you maybe need to do is do a fair assessment for yourselves. Look at the first one. Some, he describes, are disgusted with life. Some people are just, they're just flat out disgusted with life. It, it, here's why. is because they are constantly thinking, thinking about being successful. Everything about them is, is, is about success. And you know what success oftentimes will do to people? It destroys them. You think about how many movie stars and, and famous sports figures, and things like that, and you think to yourself, where are they today? You know, they've been destroyed, and they're disgusted with their lives. And this is the person that's disgusted with life. He's, he's a person or she's a person that's overloaded in their life. They're overwhelmed. I mean, it's like they feel like they're drowning, and there's no way up. And, and you think about this type of person it's the person that he describes that actually, in some point in their life, regrets the day that they were ever born. Look what it says here in the first two verses of chapter 6. There's an evil which I have seen under the sun that is common among men, a man to whom God hath given riches. Look, God gave riches, wealth, and honor 
so that he wanteth nothing for his soul, for all that he desireth, yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity, and notice what he calls it. It is an evil what? Disease. Now, that, that's not my description, but he writes this miserable description. You know what he's saying? They have everything, and they can't enjoy it. You know, and, and I've seen a lot of people like that. I've known a few. I've, I've read about many that have everything that this world has to offer, but they're miserable. They can't enjoy what they have. Solomon calls it, in verse number two, an evil disease. Look what Warren Wearsby said there in your notes. Nobody can truly enjoy the gifts of God apart from the God who gives the gifts. To enjoy the gifts without the giver is idolatry. And this can never satisfy the human heart. Enjoyment without God is merely entertainment, and it doesn't satisfy. But enjoyment with God is enrichment, and it brings true joy and satisfaction. I think Wearsby hit it on the, on the head there. You know, look, we, it's not about the gift. It's about the giver. It's about our God. It's about how good he has been. And so what Solomon does is he goes on to describe this person that is, as it says here, disgusted with life. Look in chapter number 6. Look a couple other verses here in verse number 3. The Bible says, if a man beget an hundred children, boy, that, that would be, <laughs> I couldn't even imagine that, Brother Gus. I had a hundred kids in my house, you know. But it says, if he begat a hundred children and live many years so that the days of his years be many, and his soul be not filled with good, and also that he have no burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he, for he cometh in with vanity. In other words, he comes in with nothing. And he departeth in darkness, and his name shall be covered with darkness. Moreover, he hath not seen the sun, nor known anything. This hath more rest than the, the other. Yea, though he live a thousand years, twice told, yet hath he seen no good, do not all go to one place. So here's what I see is he continues talking about this one that's disgusted with life, and you know what he's referring to? Maybe you've heard the term, maybe not. He's talking about somebody that has a view known as nihilism. Now, it may be something different to you, but in your notes there, I gave you a brief definition. Here's what it is. Being nihilistic is one that believes that life has no meaning, that there is no value, no significance, and therefore, guess what? Your life is worth nothing. You're worth nothing. Now, you think about how sad that definition, that view is, but this is something that is a fast-growing philosophy around the world today, and the reason is because many of the unsolved problems, a lot of the uh, globalism that's out there, terrorism and other things that, are, that we're being, as, as a world, we're being plagued with today, but here's what you and I need to remember is, is that God has given to each one of us the power to choose not to be disgusted with life. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I love my life. You know why? Because I love the Lord. I talked to a guy. We went knocking doors the other day, Brother Flynn, Brother Kenny, Brother Chris and I. We left here, had a handful of tracks, each one of us. We had our maps. We went out and we got out of the vehicle and, and uh, we figured out which way we were going to go. And so I started down this one street and I told him, I said, I'll go down and hit this street, come back up this street. And there, we were going to go different directions and all meet back up. And so I got to the first house, and Brian came out 
and stepped out on the porch, and I sat there and started talking to Brian. I knew I'd been there a while. And before long, I looked over, and I was cro- on the other side of the street, I seen Brother Chris. I thought, Brother Chris is on my street, you know? And so I kept talking to Brian, and I'm telling you, we talked about, we t- I went through the plan of salvation. I came back to the plan of salvation about three or four times. He did not argue with me. He was, he was very inquisitive. He was a man that had been through a lot of hurt. He was a young man, probably in his late 20s, uh, not going to church. Said, I, listen, I can read my Bible right here at home. I mean, he just wanted nothing to do with Christianity, wanted nothing to do with God. I asked him, I said, Brian, do you know if, you, if this was your last day on this earth? Do you know if you'd spend eternity with the Lord? And he said, I'm about 75% sure. I said, well, that other 25 is what's bothering me. You know, and we talked for a while. And uh, finally, when I got done, I said, Brian, I said, listen, I want you to come to my church. I said, I want you to be my guest. He said, well, I got a couple things going on. I said, look, I said, when can you come? He said, it'd probably be two weeks. I said, okay, I said, I'm going to be praying that you're going to come in two weeks. I said, matter of fact, we've got a friends and family day, and I want you to be my guest. I said, would you come? He says, well, I'll try to be there. And I said, okay, I'm going to pray that you'll come. And he said, okay. And I walked away from that house, and I looked around, and Brother Chris had gone around the corner. I walked over there, and I was heading to the next street, and I heard somebody whistle at me. I look over, and Brother Chris and Brother Kenny are in the truck. They knocked 100 doors while I stood at that one house. I said, well, I got my one house. <laughs> See, that's what young guys are supposed to do. They're supposed to help the pastor knock all those doors, you know. But listen, folks, that's what we need to... This man had that same attitude. He was so disgusted with life. You know why? Because he had all kinds of the wrong blocks in his life. Seriously, I could tell you the story of Brian tonight. I really could. But I guarantee you, if you are not like Brian, you know a Brian. You know somebody that's got way too much in their lives and they are disgusted with their lives. But he gives the second profile. Look at the second one. Is one that is some are driven in life. You know anybody that's driven in life? Look at what it says here in verse 7 through 9 in chapter 6. He writes here, All the labor of man is from his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. For what hath the wise more than the fool? What hath the poor that knoweth to walk before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. Now, here's what we see is this man, this profile is not one that's disgusted with life. This is one that is driven with life. This is the one that his appetites is what drives him. Now, folks, I I know a lot of people, Christians and, and unsaved people alike, that are driven by certain appetites. It, it is what they live for. It is what they want to do is they want to obtain what they don't have. Now, somebody who's living that way, guess what? You never see them with joy in their, in, their, in their eyes. You don't hear it in their voice. You don't see a smile on their face because they're always, want, you know, the old proverbial wanting to keep up with the Joneses, you know, wanting what they don't have. This is the kind of person that still hasn't come to grips with the fact that more is not better. A lot of times that's that's the way people are raised. That's the society that they grew up in is thinking, hey, if I just had this, if I just had this, folks, again, look, the box is only so big. Your life can only hold so much. 
and things don't bring happiness. Uh, you know, again, there's so many people that haven't never considered, listen, what God has already given to us is better than what I think I want. You know what that's called? Contentment. Saying, God, you, you've been good to me. Hey, think about this. We're all still here. That means we all survived Irma, right? Did not God stir that storm completely around us? I mean, you know, I'm sitting there watching that. I mean, we for days and days and days, we kept trying to go to different stores to get some water, various things. And uh, I, the other day, I decided, you know, I'm a little low on gas. I'm going to go over to Costco and uh, get some gas. I got there. You know, they're talking about Maria. And Maria was like 180 miles or whatever away from Puerto Rico. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go get some gas. I'm not thinking a hurricane's coming. I pull into Costco, and it's like the hurricane's on top of us, not on top of Puerto Rico. The lines are backed up. I'm like, what, what is going on? I sat there for 20 minutes to get gas. I decided, you know, if it's this crazy, I mean, I don't know what Maria's going to do. But I thought, well, I got caught last time. I'm going to go inside and get me some water before, if everybody's going to start grabbing it. I went in there. I went straight to the back. I piled seven cases of water in my cart. I could barely push the cart. I got up to the cash register, and this, this gentleman standing next to me, he looks over, and he goes, got some water, huh? <laughs> I said, yeah. Yeah, I got me some water. He's, he got to look at me, and I said, look, I got caught last time. I said, we went store after store after store, and nobody had water. I said, that ain't happening to me again, you know? And he's like, yeah, it's been crazy. And listen, folks, there are people that are wanting things. They are driven. And look, if there's anything that we ought to have our sights set on is things of eternal value. That's what you need to think about is, it, look, you, you came into this world with nothing, and you're going to leave this world with nothing. You, you can have them line your coffin, but that's where it's going to stay. It's just going to rot away, folks. You know, think about... You know, so many people are driven in life with their appetites, and, and what they do is they become desperate. Let me give you an example. The new iPhone. The iPhone X. It's over $1,000 for a cell phone. People are pre-ordering these things like they're 50 cents. I got to have it. Got to have it, you know. And I'm thinking, listen, folks, if you haven't seen this, you ever seen when they release these new cell phones? People camp out overnight in the parking lot of the cell phone place to get these phones. If they only realize in a couple months, it's going to be yesterday's news. You can, you can buy them all over the place if you just wait. But everybody's got to be on the cutting edge. They're driven by these appetites. And folks, we've got to see, you know, it's like, it's like you've got, you got to have that expensive car. And then the payment book comes. I don't think I really needed this thing. You know, <laughs> we were driving down the road. My son-in-law's got a pretty nice truck. And, and we were driving down uh, Pines Boulevard. And as we we're driving down, he says, hey, you see that truck right next to me? I said, yeah. And he goes, that's the one, his, his friend up in Maryland, his name is Ivan. He goes, that's the truck Ivan's got. I looked over. It just looked, brother, the guy just looked like a Ford pickup truck to me. I said, well, what's so, what's so fancy about that? He says, his payment's $900 a month. I said, what is that? It was, it was a raptor. I'm like, What's a, that, isn't that a dinosaur, you know? And he's like, no, that's a Ford pickup truck. It's like 80000 or something. Looked like a regular pickup truck. 
And this man, he's a young guy. His wife's working. He doesn't even have a job. And he just had a baby. And he's driving a truck that's $900 a month. I wonder how good he feels driving that truck. Now, seriously, there are people, I'm not making this up, that are driven in life. But guess what? Our Father in heaven knows our hearts. And you know what God wants to do? He wants to grant you and me our desires. That's what God wants to do. Look at the Bible says here, Shall not God search this out, for he knoweth the secrets of the heart. See, ambition, if you think about someone that's ambitious, there is an ambition that the Bible talks about, but it's ambition in the will of God. And that's what we need to see is, is that God wants us to understand that's a healthy thing. Here's how Paul put it. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Sounds to me like Paul was ambitious. You know what motivated him? The gospel. You know, he was motivated to see people saved. And we shouldn't let appetites drive us. The Bible says that we, the, the love of Christ should constrain us. We, look, we ought, to, we ought to be driven by the things of God instead of the things of this world. So the first profile that he gives is somebody that is just disgusted with life. The second profile he gives is somebody that's driven by life. But look at the third one is, he says, there are some that are deepened for life. Look at verse number 10 again. He says, that which uh, has been named already, it is known that it is man, neither may he contend with him that is mightier than he. Now, I think we all know who he's making reference to here, that, that the one that is mightier than he. See, when we are self-driven, we find that this, that when, we are, when it's all about ourselves, guess what? It's about us and not about God. And you know what happens when that happens in our hearts and lives? According to the Bible, we're contending with our Maker. We're contending with our God. Isaiah put it this way, Woe unto him that striveth with his Maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What maketh thou or thy work? He hath no hands. Look, man is not better than God. Certainly, God is the potter, we are the clay. And we have no right to act like we know more than God. And so when it comes to our lives, or in this instance, when it comes to that box which represents our lives, folks, listen, who then can tell us what should go in our box? Let me ask that again. Who is it that really has the right to tell us this is what should be in your life? Now, you know what most people think? It's my life. I'll decide. But someone that is deepened for life realizes I've been bought with a price. My life is not my own. And therefore, look here, although I want this in my life, God doesn't want that. Although I, I might want this in my life and this in my life, they're, they're not really what the Lord wants. Here's what God wants. God wants this in my life. He wants this in my What we need to decide is, listen, Lord, you decide what I need in my life instead of me deciding. I've found that God does a much better job with my life than I do. And look, we need to be men and women that understand the hope that we have. Here's our theme verse, uh, Hebrews 6, 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. You know, let God show you 
which blocks to remove in your life and which ones to put in. You know what we, we will do is, it, just like this box, we overextend our lives, do we not? Because we can't say no to things. But you know what? God will never tempt us above, above that which we are able. God will not overextend us. God will make sure that the things that need to belong in our lives are there. Look what it says in Matthew 11. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. And you think, well, that sounds like the Lord's adding to my life. But look at the verses. It says here, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find what? Rest. See, if you want to find rest. Now, look, if you want to have a chaotic life, you know, Crystal said, put them in there in order. People don't live that way. People's lives aren't in order. People's lives are chaotic. You know, in the morning, I, you know, a lot of times I wish I had a video camcorder set up between the bedroom and the kitchen when people get up and, and make a beeline and go through the house and get the shower. And the other day, some lady that I know, she was one of the college students, she's now going to be a mom, and uh, she, she took a, a, a picture and posted it, and it was a coffee maker, and it had a coffee cup underneath of it, and it was pouring water, hot water into her coffee cup, and she said, I think I forgot something. She got up and did everything right, except she forgot to put the coffee grounds in there, and she wasn't drinking coffee, she was drinking hot water. But that's the way people's lives are. Things happen in our lives all the time. But what we need to do is be deepened for life because the Lord is the one that has given us this opportunity. Jesus will make more of our less than our little might magnify him. And so what we want him to do is be magnified, and it is true. Listen, you and I are truly our worst enemy. We really are. Sometimes it's because we can't say no. And, and, you know, look at the verse here. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Ways of death. So we need to stop blaming others. And that's what we do. We play the blame game. You know, well, I just had this happen. That's, that's, that's what this Brian did the other day. Look, you know what I wanted to do to Brian? If I would have had this box to illustrate, I would, I would have said to Brian, I, I would have said, now, I would have been nice about it, but I would have loved to take this box and say, look, Brian, all those things you just talked to me about, that's all these blocks that are in here. And what I'd love to do is take that box and dump it upside down to where it's empty, set it back down and take one block and say, this is Jesus and put that one block inside that box and say, that's all you need. Because folks, that is all you need is Jesus. A lot of times he's the only thing we don't put in the box. We've got to see how important it is that we are deepened for life. Uh, you know, you see this, how God knows us better than ourselves. Isaiah 46, 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things which are not yet done. God knows the blocks that are best for our lives. God's infinite. He knows everything, and we need to choose in our lives the things that would help us to serve him and to live for him. Joshua said, uh, he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. He says, but as for me and my house, notice, we will serve the Lord. He says, I've determined what blocks I'm going to put in my box, is what Joshua was saying there. And so we need to listen to the Lord as the Lord is trying to call us. What does he want us to do? He wants us to follow him. The Bible says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We all have blocks in our box or in our lives, things in our lives that we should remove. And somebody said it this way, look at this, it's easier to say no when there's a deeper yes burning inside. 
something that really belongs in our lives. So here's what I want to leave you with is let God guide you. Let God show you what belongs in your life. Folks, listen to me. If you would just listen to the counsel from Ecclesiastes 6, and you would say, okay, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to do an inventory. Now, look, you don't have a box, all right, and you don't have blocks unless you're like me and you got kids at home, all right? But what you can do is say, all right, what things are in my life? Because certainly most of you raised your hand when I asked how many of you feel like you got too much going on in your life. And what you need to do is say, all right, this is everything in my life. I'm telling you what will happen is you will simplify your life. If you take a look at everything and say, all right, Lord, you show me what belongs in my life. Because look, Lord... I want to be able to have what's in my life and not too much. And that's what you've got to decide. So here's your decision. What are you going to remove? What blocks are you going to remove from your life? What are some things that you would take out? I, I put this down, and again, this was just something I put, but Lord, I will seek your help in having clarity and courage to say yes to those things that are vital, no to those things that are not. I'll strive to live before you in simplicity, refusing to allow the world to overwhelm my life with things that distract me from you. I don't want to be distracted by this world. I want to press toward the mark. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't let the things of this world distract you. All right, let's bow our heads tonight. Lord, thank you so much for the Word of God, the truth that we see here. I thank you for the encouragement. Uh, Lord, I, I have no one in mind tonight when you led me to this passage. Certainly, I needed to hear it. Uh, I am a very busy person. Uh, my own children sometimes, my wife, tell me that I do way too much. Uh, Lord, I, I realize I'm not going to be the Christian I should be. I'm not going to be the husband, the parent. I'm not going to be a pastor that I should be if I wear myself out on things that are temporal. And I pray that every one of us would just listen to the counsel from the Word of God. And Lord, that we would find rest in you. And that we would allow you to show us what really belongs in our life and what doesn't belong there. But it all comes with us being willing to say no to some things. And then again, to recognize if it's something that you're showing us, that we would say yes to those things. Now, Lord, simple illustration tonight, but a truth from the Word of God. And I pray that you help every one of us, Lord, to live this, this decision, this courageous decision. Because some of these things that we may have to take out of our lives are important things, but they're not God's will or the most important thing. Well, thank you again for what you did in hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.